What is going on, everybody? I am Greg Hellback, and my co-host, Michael Pinter, and I are bringing you another episode of the New York Real Estate Investing Show. This show is all about how to be successful in New York State, one of the best places and one of the most difficult places to do business in. And each and every week, Michael and I are going to bring awesome content to everybody who wants to learn how to do this business successfully in New York. Between the both of us, we have done hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of deals. We've made millions of dollars and we've also made a ton of mistakes. So if you want to try your best to avoid those mistakes, definitely take a listen to this podcast. Every single week, we are going to provide actionable tactical steps on how you can be successful investing in the Empire State of New York. Stay tuned and welcome to the show. What's up, everybody? Uh, this is the New York Real Estate Investing Show. Greg Helbeck and Michael Pinter here. We're going to talk about a few different things on today's show. The first thing I want to talk, we're going to cover that is is relevant to 2022. I'm sure you know by the time you're listening to this, you know we're about a quarter way into the year. So a lot of stuff in New York State has changed over the last two years, and I want to cover some stuff that that I've learned from experience. Michael has learned from experience. And this is just some like kind of cutting edge information that I've learned from attorneys and, and just going out in the trenches doing deals. So the first thing that we're going to cover today is actually the new landlord laws that have gotten passed. And we're also going to cover today on the show what good cause eviction is and what, what you need to do as a landlord. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're going to cover good cause eviction and uh, also like what why rental properties can go bad and what to look out for when you're you know, actually hiring a property manager. Because um, a lot of people, they have this, this fantasy where they, they want to, they have no money and they get started wholesaling, which is a great business, a very difficult business, but it's a great business. And then they have some money. They say they get a couple hundred grand in the bank and they do a couple of rehabs and then they, you know, they're making more money. Now they're like relatively wealthy, you know, considering where they started. And then they say, I, I you know, forget about this flipping thing. It's a hamster wheel, blah, 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 blah. And then they want to buy rental properties. And then they, they start buying rental properties and they're like, holy shit, this is a totally different business. So Michael and I, Michael has more experience with me than me with rentals. I'm starting to really like go neck deep into this now. So I've learned a lot. So the first thing I want to cover is Michael, we were actually just talking about the new laws really that have, have passed in New York over this. This happened in, I think, 2019, Andrew Cuomo, the former governor passed a law. So I'm going to share the law. Disgrace, disgrace former governor. He's <laughs> <laughs> so bad. Yeah. The, the Andrew Cuomo, the creep, uh, if he's hearing this, he... You know, By the way, there is good cause eviction in, in a lot of your areas, right? Kingston, Newburgh, Hudson, Kingston, Newburgh, Hudson, Poughkeepsie. Yeah. Yeah. It's and disgusting. It's, they it's, want it's expanded and we're all praying. You know, I got a wholesale deal with a tenant inside that we haven't closed on yet. Been in contract for a year. One year we've been sitting in contract and the guy can't get his tenants out. And I'm like, dude, I'm not closing until your tenants are out. So where, where is it? Newburgh. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think? You can't evict. Good cause eviction is basically you can never evict uh you're, unless you're selling if you're selling you can evict you know it's, that's going to be trouble too you think it's gonna be so easy you have to prove it and uh, how many landlords are going to say that they're about to sell kick the guy out and then not sell it's, of course so well, that's like yeah that's that's a whole other topic but so right. so yeah we're going to cover that in detail there today okay. um but the first thing is that in 2019 basically the way that it used to be and i'm borrowing this from my attorney so like i'm not that smart and i don't read the news every day but what happened was the old laws with landlord tenant, and this is in New York state. This is not talking about New York city. New York city is a totally different playing field. So if you're going to learn how to do that, I would. A lot, of, a lot of those laws apply in New York city. They completely wrecked the, the, a lot of the multifamily market in New York city. A lot but in of New York city is it's more strict than New York city. I think New York state is different than the city. Some of the state laws affected rent oh. control 
rent control and rent stabilization, and it 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 slaughtered a lot of guys who had oh. rental apartments in in the city. Yeah, and a lot of these guys generational. They've had these properties, and they've just gotten. Yes. Most of them are doing still doing okay, right? They were million, now they were thirty million. I, I don't feel so bad for them, but. But but um, there are people who bought buildings, you know, over the five years before that, thinking that they were going to be able to do things with the property, and then the laws came out and slapped everybody in the face. You want to talk about some of the changes? There were so many changes. Yeah, it's- I'll cover some. You cover some, and then we'll, between the two okay, of us, we'll probably we'll have all of them. There were so many changes. Yeah. So the first thing is that the the way that you have to do a, a holdover eviction, and I'll explain that in a minute got changed. So a holdover eviction is basically when you have a tenant who is on a month to month lease or they are on a lease that has expired and now they're by de facto month to month. So there's no long-term lease in place. If you wanna get a tenant out of a property back in the day, like before 2019, you needed to give that tenant a 30 day notice that their lease was going to be discontinued. And then they had to technically vacate in 30 days. And if they were not out in 30 days, then you'd be able to file a, co- a court case to go to court and do a, a legit eviction, which is, you know, that's pretty straightforward. That is basically, Makes perfect sense. It's common sense. I mean, except for California, New York, and New Jersey, and Connecticut, it's literally like if you go anywhere else, it's the same shit. You can get someone out in like Pennsylvania in fucking ten minutes. <laughs> it's your property, and now you want to do something else with it. So give them reasonable notice, and then they should leave. It's insane. I've had that happen to me as a tenant. My freaking they, they were they tried to double the rent on my old house. He gave me a sixty day notice, and I said okay, and I got a new place. It's not that complicated. Right. So it's like this is part of life. So anyway, so they passed a law where that went away. And now what happened is if the tenant was there for less than, I think a year, it was a 30 day notice. If they were there from two to five years, I believe it was a 60 day notice. And if they've li- been living in the property for more than five years, you have to give the tenant a 90 day notice. So that just, think, and I've, I've done this twice. I think now. it might be three years. I think it was three years. years. Yeah, it's three years. So yeah, it was three years. 90 days. So if they've been there for more than three years or three years in a day, as they would say in the law, you have to give the tenant a 90 day notice that their lease, their month to month lease is going to expire. And during that 90 days, usually one of two things will happen. And so the, 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 let me just unpack that first, because I, I'm kind of going too fast here. But let me say one more thing. This is not just at the end of a lease. So you have to give, if they've been there for more than three years, you have to give them 90 days, even if you just bought the property, even if they, we were actually about having paid rent, but, but there's, there's all kinds of reasons why you have to give 90 day notice. Even if the, even if the lease is not about to expire, if they've been there for a long time, and if you buy, sometimes we buy properties, we don't know how long the tenant's been there. We buy properties in foreclosure or the seller doesn't know. So you very often now when, when I buy a property, I have to give 90 day notice, even if I'm not sure, because I don't, what you don't want is for the 90 days to expire. Then you just go to court a month later and the guy goes, Oh, you gave me 60 day notice, but you need 90 day notice. And you start the whole thing again. So we, a lot of people will be giving 90 day notice, even when they don't need to, just to be safe, just to be sure. And then as you're going to say, most of them are going to stop paying rent. That's what happens. hundred percent. And then it's going to, and then this is where it gets really bad. So I'll, I'm going to share a story that, that brings the point home. So I did this on a property where I bought the thing really cheap and the tenants were not good friends with me to say the least. And I, I did, didn't really know what I was doing either. I would have never done what I did. Like I wasn't rude to them, but like I was like a ambitious first time landlord and I got a killer deal. And I knocked on a 70 year old's door who's been living there for 20 years as a, at age 25 being like, Hey, I'm your new landlord. Let's work out a deal. And they were like, uh, 
get away. So, so yeah, so that would didn't work out, but we gave them notice to that they had to leave because they just would not pay more in rent. And the attorney that I hired actually gave me wrong information. He told me something that was blatantly just not correct. He said, when you give a 90 day notice, you shouldn't collect the rent. And I'm like, why would I give them notice to leave and then not collect the rent that I'm entitled to collect? So he actually got fired because he was doing this with some other people. That was wrong. So then my legal bill dropped in half, which was good, but I didn't collect rent for a while. And then after we ended up working something out where we did an extension and I got much more rent and they're leaving next month. So the point of that is when the tenant sees that they're actually not going to be able to stay, you hit it right on the head. They're not, they're most likely not going to pay rent. And then that holdover case is going to turn into a non-payment case. And I'll let you take over the non-payment case process because that is something. Let me be be honest with you. I usually do holdover um, litigation, even if they owe me money, because I have to, listen, ideally you do, you do, you do a, a non-payment and you get a judgment for it and you get a warrant for possession, which is what the, you give to the sheriff to get it out. But I've done this dozens of times, maybe more where I got a judgment from the, from the tenant. I've never, ever collected a dollar. So sometimes it's easier to just do it as a holdover and just say, listen, I want you out of here. Sometimes you want to do it as a, as a, um, I need a good attorney for this as a non-payment because you want to use that as leverage to get them out. You want to say, listen, I'm going to get a judgment against you for $20,000. Um, Cause you have to a long time. Um, I'm going to waive that whole thing. I'm going to make it disappear. If you just get your ass out of there and you know, quickly. So sometimes you want to use it as, as leverage, but I've done holdover proceedings for people that stopped paying me rent because I, because the lease was up, let's say, or I just bought the property and I just, I didn't want to get into the money thing. And I didn't want them to, I, I, I only wanted them out. I didn't want to get into the back and forth. So in my, in my, in Nassau County, where I've been to court a million times, anytime there's a eviction proceedings, you first go to mediation. And then if it's about money, it starts becoming about money. And people will say, I'll give you this, I'll give you that. You know, they sign a stipulation for it. It generally can push the, kick the can down the road a little bit. Like if you, if a, if a tenant is willing to sort of make any attempt to get current, you can't go back to the court and say, I don't, I don't want them. Like people do that. They say, I don't want it. They say, we'll go to trial. But in the judge mind, it's like, you're not even trying here. And the judge is not going to look favorably, favorably upon you. And you could actually lose the case because the guy will make some claim, some stupidity that you, you, you didn't uh, repair the, the toilet once. So you, you almost want, I almost want holdover cases because they're easier. And then my end goal is just to get them out. My end goal is almost never to collect. So with the whole, I just want to confirm this with you real quick, because this is like really, really insightful. If your intent is to do a holdover and the objective of that is to get somebody outside the property, whether they're out of the property, whether they're paying or not, by de facto, even though we're not attorneys, they're going to get out. Like the judge can't say, oh, they have to stay because of X, Y, and Z. If you file as a holdover, whether they're paying or not, they're no. going to be able to legally get out because no, they, they can go. But if it goes to trial, right, which yeah. doesn't happen often, but sometimes yeah. it does. That's crazy. how the fuck can they go to trial? It's they're on a fucking lease. There's no lease. Way, doesn't matter if a guy, even if a guy's not paying rent, even if the guy's not leased, he can still claim uh, I have, he has a right to a trial. And at trial, crazy things happen, right? The guy will make a claim that you shut the power off. And you're like, I didn't shut the power off. And he's like, well, somebody shut the power off. Meanwhile, it was like a, you know, he shut the power off, something like that. Or he'll take a picture of a leaky faucet and they'll say, I, I called you about it 12, uh, seven months ago, you didn't do anything. And, 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 and even if he doesn't have any proof of it, and a judge could, could say, 
you know, okay, we're, we're, we're going to adjourn this for six months and you need to make the repairs. And if he doesn't let you in to make the repairs, then, then we'll kick him out. But if he does let you in to make the repairs then we have to reevaluate judges say things like that. So yeah. it goes to trial and also just getting to trial takes time. So yeah, you want to, sometimes you, I want to focus on, so my attorney always asks me, he goes, what is, what do you want here? And I say, I just want 99% of the time. I just want the guy out. He's like, okay, we're going to go for a non-payment proceeding because we're going to use that as leverage to get him out. Or he'll say it's a waste of time with the with the with the non-payment, and we're just going to go for holdover. It really depends on what the exact situation is, right? So if you bought a property, you know, and the guy, you, you if you buy a property now, you not only have to give them notice, you have to you have to exhibit the deed so that the guy knows that you're actually you actually bought the property. It's a whole thing. I I had a I had an eviction case where the guy actually appealed, which never happens. It costs a ton of money. He appealed because he said that the the deed, the deed when we bought the property wasn't exhibited properly and they lost, but it took two years to get the guy out because, but he spent a fortune in legal fees to appeal. So there's all kinds of legal crap about what has to be done. And you got to use a really good attorney who handles this stuff. Not somebody who's going to tell you the wrong thing, but I will in your bad attorney's uh, defense, all the laws changed, right? Everything went up, upended right before the pandemic and it changed things a lot. I mean, my attorney was literally when it first happened, he's like, I don't even know what to tell you because I don't even know all the laws yet. I got to figure them out. So yeah. uh, you have to but, exhibit the deed when you do an eviction. That, by the way, that might have changed too because this was before this was before the law changed. It may, may, not, may not be the law now. I may be wrong, but that was the thing. I had, we had a situation from like two, like five years ago where we bought a property at auction. Oh, okay. At auction. And then we fought, we immediately filed eviction against the, the, the tenants. And we didn't exhibit the deed. Maybe you don't need to exhibit the deed anymore. Maybe the laws change. Okay, a lot of things change. But I'm just saying yeah. you have to be careful. There's a lot of laws. A lot of laws are different. And if you're not using somebody who's really experienced and been doing this and is in court you're all the screwed. time, you, you can get easily screwed up. The number one mistake I see landlords making when they evict is that they try to serve the tenants themselves. <laughs> like they send their girlfriend or something stupid to serve them. And that's always a mistake. Because the number one reason why why trials get thrown out, at least in my county, is improper service. Same thing. It's the same thing. And it's like 100, 200 bucks to get a process server to do it who will file an affidavit of service. Anytime there's a real affidavit of service from a, from a process server, if the guy says, I don't see it, I don't know it, yo no say, whatever he says, the process server gets up there and says, I, I, I gave it to this guy or I gave it to his wife. And that's it. The judge, it's over. Like that service point is out of it. So you want to spend the money on a process server to serve them. Sometimes you want to serve it even to give them you know, today. You want to definitely give them the notice and then you want to serve them when it's time to go to court. Um, and people, people say, well, I want to spend $150 on it. The guy already owes me $9,000. I'm just going to do it myself. You're not allowed to serve them yourself. Number one, can't be, a, can't be a party that's connected. And it shouldn't be like your friend or your cousin who doesn't know exactly what to do if they get up in court. Because your friend or your cousin will get up in court can say something stupid. And then you get, if the judge throws out service, you're back to square one. But for a very relatively small amount of money, for 100 bucks, 150 bucks, 200 bucks, whatever it is, pay a process server to serve the guy so that, so that when you go to court, it's, it, it, that part of it is done. Well, when you hire an attorney, they hire a process server. That's part of your legal bill. Should, but you can't. Yeah. So listen, I can't, everybody, everything I buy now, I'm buying in an LLC. So in my county, and I think every county, if you're buying a property in an LLC, an attorney. you have to be represented by an attorney. I used to buy properties in my own name, and I used to I used to do them myself. Uh, okay. Way, I like doing them myself. I was more efficient than attorneys are, but I don't have that option now. So I use attorneys, and 
Um, but but a lot of guys are doing it themselves. They're going. It's called pro se. Right? A, ter- a, a landlord is doing it themselves, and they all have this stupid idea that they're going to serve the guy themselves, or my cousin, or my friend, or my girlfriend, or my wife, or my daughter, and it's just a mistake. So I see that being. I see that done all the time. Yeah, and, and this is this stuff. It, we're not trying to scare people from buying rental properties, but we're just trying to be honest about the reality of it. And even if you're buying occupied properties, it's just the same thing. You need to know what's going on because when you have the wrong expectations, especially trying to do an eviction because you're emotionally tied to that property because it's yours, it's, it's not going to end well. And you're going to get frustrated. You're going to make bad decisions. So when you can hire an attorney, I'm telling you right now, people listening, if you just hire a damn attorney, do you use your closing attorney to do eviction or do you use a different guy? Of a different attorney only for the only use Charles as attorney. Who do you use that guy Charles recommended? I did not use him, I don't use him. No, I, was about to, I have a different guy, uh, yeah, yeah, because he, he sounded like he that he knows what he's doing. That guy, That's not, yeah, I'm, 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 I, if I ever need another attorney, I would call him. But, um, yeah. you got to understand that I, I probably have bought in the last year eight or nine properties only, only because the landlord got emotional about the property. Right. In almost all of these cases, not every, but almost all these cases, the landlord could have gone, gone to the tenant and said, I'd like to give you $10,000 to get out of the house. <laughs> maybe could have done it. Maybe it would have been a negotiation. But the landlords, because they already feel like they got screwed over, cannot bring themselves to give the guy money. So I, and I, I made, I've made this mistake a few times. I used to tell the landlord that I'm buying from, hey, I may give the guy money. That might, it almost killed the deal once. They won't, so I never tell them that. But for me and for you, it's a business decision, right? So if I go, so I had a deal recently where two squatters, they never paid rent. They were living in a property for two years. Yours? I paid Like what? It was a property you closed on? No, I, I, I had a, a seller willing to sell it to me for X dollars. I thought I could sell it with occupied. I put it out to my list and I got no, I got crickets. Then I realized maybe I can get these people to go. I wasn't even in contract yet. And I offered each 10, I think $6,000, so $12,000. And then I put it out the list as delivered vacant and it became a $60,000 wholesale deal. So for me, it's a business decision. If I have to spend 12 to make 60, that's a no brainer. Yeah. But for the landlord, they never would have given the guy, these people, for them, it was a principal thing. They never would have done yeah, it. So yeah. we're able to look at things more objectively and say, hey, if you got a te- if you any kind of tenant problem you have is always a money problem, right? There's there is a number where everybody will leave, right? If they have a million dollars, he'll leave, right? He'll leave and he'll go buy himself a mansion, right? So you hope that that problem is solvable for a much smaller number, but very often, if I'm buying occupied, I, I might go to the tenant and say, listen, I'm in contract to buy the property, um, and my standard line is, you really only have two choices. You think you have more choices, but you only have two. Your choices are you can leave, you know. A few months down the road when the sheriff pulls you out with nothing, or you can leave much sooner with a check in your hand for me. So, and then the next question is always how much, and then we start negotiating. So that's how I play it, but I can do that because I, I, I'm not emotionally tied to it from landlords who've been lied to and for years at and jerked around and the people <laughs> them, oh i'm gonna buy the property i'm just waiting to get a mortgage approval oh, oh that's my favorite <laughs> months you can't find a place to go there's nowhere else to go or they say oh i'm all packed up well, everything's in boxes you know i i once fell for that a long oh, time that's such fucking garbage everything's dude. a box i'm like this guy has to be leaving seven months later the guy hadn't left it's just it's a tactic so when that happens to you and you get offended and you get emotionally attached to it yeah. the thought of giving this guy more money is seems crazy right 
But for if you and I coming into the situation, we're like, okay, if this guy wants X dollars, I'll give X dollars if I can still make make money on the deal. But using a good attorney is is here's another tax strategy that you just mentioned that I want to cover because and then we're going to cover the good cause eviction. So what you just said is is really smart because you look at it objectively. Here's another great strategy that will get you in court less with better results. When you fucking go at the tenant and they know that you're going to sue them for non for not for staying there, you can you have it's way easier to make a cash for keys deal. Way easier. Once they see them getting served and they see that you have an attorney and you're not, and you stop, you got to end communication with the tenant when you have an attorney, by the way, like no, don't just, even fucking bother. Just speak to my attorney. Yeah. So you, you, you get an attorney involved, you serve them. They see that they're obviously about to get screwed. When your attorney negotiates on your behalf, a cash for keys deal, you, you have a way higher chance of getting that converted because the tenant's not really going to believe you because they could really care less about you. But when they see that they're actually going to get kicked out, it's not going to happen every time, but you're going to have a way better chance of, of getting a real cash for keys deals put, put together through attorneys, which is relatively strong and getting that person out because I've tried these like bullshit cash for keys deals where like it was no, there was no attorney and like, you know, they'd like look in the DocuSign and they never signed it. And then they just totally ghosted me. But then when you get a lawyer involved, they, they, they start to usually the smart ones. They definitely take you more seriously, for sure. They take you, for sure. They take you more seriously. So it's you got to get an attorney. I mean, you, you, you'd be stupid because if you're if you're if you do a 90 day holdover and you get thrown out of court and you get a, not adjourned, but if you get just like it's like a, you, you lose on like a technicality or something. You're going to spend more money just doing the same thing and you're going to lose rent for the entire 90 days. So you're going to piss away six months of rent. It happened to me on a property. I bought, I screwed up. I bought a property like last day of the month. Mm -hmm. the law, by the way, that changed also. The law used to be you have to serve them before the end of the month for the next month. Now you can serve them anytime. Of the month. So that's good. So I, I closed on the last day of the month and I immediately had them served like that day. And then they, and after like a two months of this stuff, they came back and they go, well, we're going to, we're going to challenge uh, service because, because you closed late in the afternoon. There's no way we could have been served before you, when you really owned it. And I said, I screwed up. So I had them served again. So I lost two months on it. And then in the end, I got them out and we made money on the deal. But, but like, those are things that you just, it doesn't matter now, but you have to be careful. Like I don't serve people the day you close because it's a it's wow. a coin whether the judge is going to believe them. So serve them the next day, and then they know you. Then you know you own the property when you serve them. So things like that happen all the time. But without a doubt, when they get served from an attorney, very often to them that is the come to Jesus moment where they realize I got to make it. <laughs> In general, ninety nine percent of people that are not paying rent. Know in the in the smart part of their head and the and the in the conscious part of their head, this is not going to last forever. But this huge subconscious part of the head says, just wait, just let, just push it off. And I don't want to deal with it. Right. I say things to that. I say things to that people all the time. I say, you know, this day was going to come. Right. And, and I don't, and I just listen and they, they usually don't answer, but then their brain starts working. Like, of course I can't, I haven't been written three years. Like I got lucky because of the moratorium, but like, yeah, they go. So now it's either leave when the sheriff pulls you out. I said, I'm going to, and I always paint the picture and I go, I'm going to be standing right there. The moving truck's going to be over there. Three sheriffs with guns are going to come here. They're going to pull you out, and you're going to leave with nothing. I said, or you can leave sooner with a check from me. I try to paint that picture. And then very yeah. often, again, the next question is always how much. But that starts the negotiation. So you can anybody can steal my my lines. They, I think they're good. Yeah. Um, 
but that's a picture. But I, but I, but I've, I've literally stood on the street on dozens and dozens of occasions while evictions happen. That sometimes they're sad. I mean, sometimes people are crying. It's not great, but but it's it's their, it's, it's, it's their problem. They don't own the house. I don't feel bad for people who don't. It's it's it's. I evicted the person. The guy once, and he was shocked. He was shocked. I'm like, I spoke to you three weeks ago. You told me that you would give me X dollars by two weeks ago, and you didn't. And he's like, I, 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 I don't know. I'm like, you don't know. Like, I certainly don't know. I mean, the guy was like four months behind on his rent. So people, people don't, you know, it's just, it's not, it's not logical, but it happens with more people than you think. <laughs> when you get a warrant to evict, how often does the sheriff come versus they get out in time before the sheriff comes? Because that's well, like in the that movie, changed, you know? I don't know if that changed specifically in my county or whether it's a state thing. The, the sheriff used to give a 72 hour notice, nail it to the no, door. It's way longer than that, dude. But now it's hot. So now it's five days. It's, but it's more a than that. I think it, it the, the judge can make them stay for like 30 days sometimes, depending no, no. on the case. But what I'm saying is that's after the warrant for possession is given to the sheriff. Oh, and okay. the sheriff is, gets through their calendar. The sheriff has to give notice that they're coming. I would say a majority of the time, a majority of the time they leave when they get that notice, but not all the time. So now it's five days. But that when they see that, that's if the come to Jesus moment was not when they when they started the process. And the come to Jesus moment is not when the judge says you got to get out. When the sheriff comes, that's really when they get serious. But people still stay. I've, I've, Does the sheriff actually pull them out of the property? I mean, the, the sheriff, sheriff will physically will remove them with force. They knock on a door, and you know they they're, they they. I feel bad for these nasty county sheriffs because they they only deal with like misery. Like I speak to them all the time. They're like everything we deal with is like pissed off people. We're evicting people. We're taking people's guns because they got a. Because they got a order of protection, it's like everything we deal with is bad. Yeah, <laughs> and they're nice. And if the you if the guy doesn't open the door, they'll break the door down. But um, <laughs> <We'll break> <laughs> people like open the door a crack and see it, and then go ah. And the guy's like, "You got to get out." I mean, they don't they don't pull them like pull them out. They never really pull them out. Right, and there's yeah. and there's twenty guys from the moving company waiting there, right, with three, with three empty trucks. I mean, that's how it works in my in my county. And there's like a whole crowd. And they go, well, you got to get out. You take whatever you need, but everything else stays. And, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, I paint the picture that the sheriff pulls them out, but I've never had the sheriff have to pull them out. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're usually going to leave. Like, once they know they're getting out, like, they're, 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 <laughs> you're going to see, like, the pod in the front lawn, and then you're going to see. <laughs> no pod. No pod. These guys are just, they, they just take their stuff and go. You don't see pods? No, because they're not entitled to the pod. The pod is. The pods on my territory. On my no, territory. no, but the tenant gets the pod to then ship out. You know, I, I had this happen in California. This guy had a pod there for like, like three me. months, and he never happened to me. Most of these guys have, you know, they just they'll get a shopping shopping cart from the local supermarket. <laughs> Yo, Joe Finner had a tenant literally take all their stuff out of the shopping cart. <laughs> literally, <laughs> the shopping cart. They, she like got it. She got kicked out, and like she was pulling pushing a shopping cart down the street, <laughs> and there was like a drug bust in there. I've seen that happen. It's crazy. There, is, there is a train of thought that even if the sheriff gives notice um, that you should still go through with the eviction. And I understand it, but I don't do it because it's expensive. And I've had a situation where I, I had the sheriff, uh, the person vacated, right? They vacated, they shut, the, they shut all the utilities off, right? After they got 72 hour notice. So I came in and I, call, I, I see they're gone. I tell the sheriff, you don't have to come, you don't have to come, they're out. And I go in there and they left stuff, but crap. So I brought the cleaning crew, threw all the stuff out. Then of course they come back, they go, oh, you threw out my laptops, you threw out my stuff. I'm like, you left the property, 
you knew you were being evicted and you shut the power off. That means to me, you're not coming back. I mean, I, I, you wouldn't return my calls. So they didn't have a case, but they, they thought they could sue me. Um, but you, it's a cleaner, it's a cleaner situation when the sheriff comes and evicts because in theory, a guy could leave and then he could show up again, like break in, change the locks and say, I don't know what you're talking about. And the sheriff never came. So I understand that you got to be careful about that. I've never had that happen to me, but I know there are guys that'll go through with the eviction anyway, just so that the sheriff puts up a sign. Cause if the sheriff puts up a sign, they evicted and then you come back, the sheriff will come back and kick him out. So I understand that thought, but for me, if a guy leaves, then I'm usually just changing the locks and, and then up, you're, you're out of there. Well, up what, what County is harder to do an eviction in Nassau or Suffolk? Um, well, Suffolk, it's, it's a lot of different places. It's not, it's like different, um, like towns and villages and all that shit. And it, it's, it's something each one. So you're dealing with different people in Nassau. It's one court for the whole County, except for two city, except for the city of Long Beach and the city of Glencoe. So it's more consolidated. It's a little easier. It's one judge. So you know who the judge is. It's easier. It's different judges. Judge tenant friendly or landlord friendly. The one right now is pretty landlord friendly. So he's good. But then they, they rotate them. There was one guy there for like 30 years who was who was good. He was pretty good. And then eventually they he, they mandatorily retired him. And then they were on like a rotation and some some guy showed up from the five boroughs and that was a disaster. Oh, yeah. You're not. You're not going to. In general, the adjournments in 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 S are like a couple of weeks, which makes sense. Somebody needs more time to get a couple of weeks. In the, in the city, when you get adjourned, it's like three months. So this judge got up there and he's like, "I will adjourn for three months." And everybody's like, "Whoa!" And somebody whispers in his ear, "Like that's not how things get done here." And he figured it out. But but the guy right now is pretty good. Uh, he's fair. He's good. And uh, I'm good. my attorney's going to be in front of my attorney's in front of him right now. I don't know what happened today. Why wow, you're doing an eviction? I mean, uh, have, you're doing it as eviction as we're doing the eviction podcast. We have a hearing. We have a hearing today. I mean, I know March 16th was the day for one lovely tenant. So. These attorneys, I don't get how they do it. So as we wrap the show up, I want to cover good cause eviction because that's actually relevant. We'll end okay. the show with that. So, um, Michael, what is good cause eviction? And then we'll chop it up and, and kind of break down what you need to know about doing deals oh. with that being said. Sure. So good cause eviction is a, is a law that we said applies in a few cities in upstate New York. Um, and they want to make it the law of the whole state. What it does, in essence, is it puts the onus of eviction more onto the landlord and really does not allow the landlord to do things that he wants to do with his place. Now, if you own a property, you would think as a landlord, if you want to keep it vacant, you can, right? If I have a tenant that leases up, I want it, maybe I want to move in. All these things make sense. But with that, with the good cause eviction, you can't evict, first of all, you can't raise rents more than 3% a year, even if they're ridiculously below even without rent control, rate stabilization, just any any place, you can't rent, raise rents and you can't kick a tenant out unless there's a really good cause. And it's really on the landlord to prove why they want somebody evicted. Um, and that's not a good place for a landlord to be, right? We should be able to evict anybody from our properties, in my opinion, for no reason. Right. Why Why do I have to prove why? Maybe I want, what if I want to use the place as a studio? I, what if I want my kids to move it? Whatever it is. I want to be able to control my properties. And good cause eviction basically says that someone has the right to live there forever. And unless, unless, unless you have a real good reason. See, if that actually happens, I'm going to either sell all my shit or just not buy rentals in New York anymore. Just as a simple business decision, because it just doesn't make sense. I mean, I'll just go to Pennsylvania or New Jersey or whatever, but it's just, it just doesn't that the, so we'll talk about how you have to handle that because it's new now, but the thing with that that just makes no sense is that I don't understand the whole goal of why they would do that because they're just going to make it a 
a dis there, there's going to be a big dis disincentive to, to even operate rental properties in the in the state which is ultimately going to like i think a lot of these crazy policies they, they think they're like all on the cutting edge but really what happens is they end up just shooting themselves in the foot because they're going to bring in Absolutely. shittier quality people no one's going to want to manage them their people are going to let them go to foreclosure and you're going to drive all the people who have a lot of money out of the state from a landlord's perspective, and you're going to fuck everyone up. So it, it, I don't think it makes actual sense. It's going to have the opposite effect because um, the fact that you can't raise rents means that I better raise my rents before you come in. In other words, so you're going to the rent going to be crazy. Jack up all my rents for anybody new moving in because I don't have the ability to raise rents later if the market moves, um, and it's going to really prevent landlords from being able to take care of properties because it's not going to be worth it if I have 12 tenants who just won't leave even in places that I want to fix up. So they, they one of the big things that changed a couple of years ago was that they didn't allow um, rent-stabilized apartments to have rent. The, the way the law used to be is that if I fixed something in the apartment, if I made an improvement, I could take like 1 50th of that and raise the rent to it. So if I put a new kitchen, for fifty thousand dollars, I can raise your rent by 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 thousand dollars in theory. Um, they change that. So you, if you have a rent stabilizer, rent control, a building, you almost have no way to raise the rents now. It's really bad. That's why a lot of the values of rent stabilizer, rent controlled apartments, dropped significantly. Um, and something like this is it, it's a, it's a typical government law that feels good, like oh, we're protecting poor widows and orphans that we're going to get thrown out by some greedy asshole landlord. But really, it's going to screw those. It's going to hurt those people. I know. The landlords are not stupid. And if, if a landlord has 50 units and he can't evict 10 people and they're and maybe they're not paying rent, but they didn't fall under some prospect of the good cause eviction, or maybe they it takes them eight months longer to evict people, that guy's not going to take care of his other 40 tenants the way he used to. No. And this is just like shit. It feels good, but it doesn't actually do any good. And that's really what's going to happen. I mean... The truth is, if people can't afford to live somewhere, then they should move somewhere that's less expensive. I mean, that sounds cruel, but that's the truth. Um, it's reality. We're in a market. We're in a, a dem, we're in a uh, you know uh, a market based system, and if pe these greedy landlords are not going to raise rents to the point where people can't pay them, because then they won't have, have properties, right? These same crazy, crazy greedy landlords were giving people huge discounts during the pandemic because they were afraid everyone was going to leave. So the market usually takes care of these things, and uh, Government usually screws it up in general. I, I agree. And the, the thing with this that's scary is because there the, the so the cities that this is in effect now is Kingston, which is a city, Newburgh, which is a city, but also has a town. It's only relevant in the city. Poughkeepsie, which is a city, but also has a town. And then uh, Hudson, which I don't even know where that is. That's like, that's really far upstate. That's like- in somebody, between somebody came to my Rio last night from Hudson. Who, Evan? Kevin. Did he have long hair? No, he was very no, tall. I don't know. That dude, that's like two and a half hours from like me. I'm like, I can't believe it. He goes, he said to me, "You're the only guy who seems to be teaching this in New York." <laughs> dude, you have a cult following, dude. H Hudson is near Albany. I'm like, this I know, is far. You know the swarms. He's like, yeah, I'm not fans though. <laughs> wow, that's a freaking that's a journey of a. I could not believe it. He thanked me today. I'm like. I can't believe you came from so far. He's like, yeah, best thank five you for driving three hours. He goes, the best five dollars I ever spent. <laughs> oh, it's it was like a five dollars admission and, and eighty dollars for gas. <laughs> yeah, right. Especially now with the way you know this country is looking with the goo. That's another podcast. But uh, yeah, the good cause. I mean, 
I'll tell you what, I'll say this on the record. If that actually passes, I will probably keep the stuff I have. And then anything new, if that is a real law, there's no way I'm getting involved in rental properties. It, that's worse than California. California is a freak show out here. Don't get me wrong. But there's none of that bullshit in, in California. None of that. Um, and they, they probably won't ever pass that because it's such a big we should, state. But. We should get rentals in Texas. That's a state where they are uh, pro-landlord. I, you know, what? the thing is with Texas is like, there's definitely problems in Texas, but it's such a, like, I've done business there. So like, it's so fucking easy to do shit down there. It's so easy. What's the problem? No, no, no. But it's like, it, it doesn't, to me, I'm like, why is this so easy? I'm used to shit being so complicated. I'm like, wait a minute, you get a title back. It, it just, it doesn't really make sense. Cause I'm used to all these bullshit hard areas. So like when you, you get something in Texas, you're like, this is too good to be true. It seems like a scam, you know? So but the thing is with good cause eviction, I mean, you know, I really think that it's, it's, it, it probably will get passed. I hate to say it, but what will happen is it'll probably really screw things up for like five years and then they'll probably reverse it because listen, we it, have to, there's no way you can't, no one, but no one's going to have any incentive to do any business. Like it's going to affect property management companies. It's going to affect it's just going to screw the value of buildings up. No one's going to want it. It's going to fuck everything up. And then it's going oh. to be really bad. Yeah. I don't think it would. I, I mean, I think it will pass, but I don't know if it'll stay there. Cause it's, it's just, yeah. Especially too, because where, where New York is, it's it, there's so many States next to New York where you can work in. It's not like you're pigeonholed. Like if you're in long Island, you can go to Connecticut. If you're in long Island, you can go to Jersey. If you're in where I'm from, you can go to Pennsylvania or New Jersey or Connecticut. Like, it's not like you're, we're like in Alaska where like we have to literally remotely invest, you know, through Canada. Like we're in an area where you can, especially now with technology, you can buy properties anywhere. Like I buy properties in New York. I don't even live there. So like, it's just, it doesn't make, it's, it's, it's not going to be pretty. I think you got to definitely keep out, uh, keep your eyes and, and ears, um, Tune to the news. I would definitely Google this stuff and read By like the way, the deal. Just got an email from my attorney. I appeared in court today. The matter was adjourned to April 27th. Tenant didn't appear. She's not at the next appearance. We get a default judgment. Let's hope she doesn't show up. That's again. good. What what happened there? Was it a non-paying tenant or was it someone who you just had to get out because they weren't paying enough? Well, it's a combination. It's a long story. So, but with that question, actually, I'm glad you said that on the podcast. Now this tenant doesn't show up today. They think it's adjourned. So technically like that was, could be strategic on the tenant's point. If they show up again, free, get one free adjournment. If she shows if up, show up again, then what happens though? If second time, the second time party doesn't show up, uh, it's default judgment. So we get, we'll get But her. If she shows up, if she shows up then and she shows up to the next appointment, can she use another one? Cause she's there now, or you'd have to make a good case to get another adjournment. Like she'd have to say, uh, no, no speaking English, or I need an attorney. Like then she'll get one more adjournment for another like week or two. And then, then she's got a, then she's got, then if she doesn't appear or she does appear, then it's good. It's good that she doesn't show up. I hope they never show up. It's better. It's easier. I'd rather get a default judgment. Craziness. Well, how much did that attorney cost you for that, that appearance? I don't know. I, I'm I, I'm I'm writing him lots of checks now because I'm doing lots of evictions. So I don't know. Yeah, so. interesting. Well, doesn't always narrow. He doesn't always give me itemized by by case. I have like a lot of them going on. So. Does he bill you hour, hourly? He, I I give him some money up front, and then if it's more, we get. Money. Yeah, that's what I do. You pay him like a it's like a credit card basically, and it's like a, it's like a gift card. <laughs> It's a, it's a, I'm going to start giving you gift cards for your birthday. Hey, here's an eviction gift card. It's it's powered by John Ravella, you know, I can buy you, you know, Does Ravella do, do your evictions. 
Uh, no, no, he just does closings. He's, he's, he's probably great at them, but I, I want to have my, uh, attorneys spread out. I don't want to have all my eggs in one basket. You know, it just doesn't, I don't like doing that. I want to find, I actually found my eviction attorney through a webinar. They did a, a webinar, uh, on how to get tenants out. And I watched it and I thought it was really good. They pull a Frank Kern, you know, goodwill before you ever make an offer. Mm-hmm. And then I called them and I'm like, Hey, where's he located? Walden. All right, good. I would use a Long Island attorney, but I don't know if it would make sense for them to drive upstate. That's see, that it makes sense. They have to appear. They have to appear. Yeah, then it doesn't make sense because if 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 they didn't have to appear, then they're probably a little bit more sharky down in Long Island because people are kind of pussies upstate a little bit. But uh, <laughs> anyway, so I hope everyone got some value from that. If you want to buy rental properties, you got to go in with your eyes open. You need to know the well, law. We're talking about property management. I talk a little bit about property management for you. Oh go? yes, yes, yes. Um, so, well, Michael, you, you were so good, you just, man. You finally have signed up with property management, but I just wanted to t- share this. I shared this with you before. I want to share it with everybody. Yes. And I never realized this. I always thought property management companies get all their money from the percentage of a collected rent. So that uh-huh. usually varies between 7 to 10% in most cases. Um, but what I found out from someone who sold, recently sold a property management company is that that's only, for a lot of the property management companies, it's only one-third of their revenue. And the other two parts of the revenue are coming from things that are really not aligned with your interest as a landlord. He said that a third of his revenue was coming from markups on repairs. So that means that they want to do repairs because they're making money off it. And you as a landlord do not want to do repairs unless they're absolutely necessary. And the third thing he said they're making money from it was lease ups, which means when a tenant leaves and a new tenant comes in, they were getting a flat fee, which is more than their actual cost to do the work. And that's also something you don't want as a, as a landlord. You want tenants to stay as long as possible. So just be always ask questions when you're talking to a management company about those things, because if they're incentivized to make repairs or incentivized to get a tenant to leave, then you are not, your interests are not aligned. So be very concerned about that. Interesting. Now, would you, with that being said, would you only hire a property manager who owns properties themselves or you don't really care about that? I don't care about that so much. I really want, I really want, um, I really want to be clear on the things that I just said, right? I want to know that I'm completely aligned. Like I'll pay more of a percentage if I have to. Like if the guy says, well, I'm not going to make any money, like I'll pay more, but I don't want to pay any markup for repairs to charge me what it costs you. Don't make, so, cause then I know you're only going to make repairs when you have to, right? I don't want, it's very easy to make repairs. Tenants are going to ask for things all the time. You want your property manager to be somewhat reluctant to go out there and do something unless it's necessary. Um, and I want tenants to stay as long as possible, right? I want to pay bonuses as a landlord when a tenant renews, right? I want to pay bonuses, maybe especially if there's a rent increase. Like I'll pay a portion of that to the property manager. I don't want I don't want my manager incentivized to get people out of there, right? That's the last thing. In New York, that's yeah. what we just talked about. Exactly. Want somebody to pay the property management fee when uh, you got the fucking eviction going on last time I checked. Exactly. You know? Yeah. You gotta. I just got to the point where it. 90% of my stress was coming from 10% of the bullshit with the rentals. So I said, I got, I had one, a new one I'm closing on. Like this one is a good one too. Cause it's an all cash deal. There's no financing involved. So it's just a straight up. I don't have to worry about like paying a mortgage or anything. And uh, I'm like, you know what? This is the one I'm going to hire the manager on because I'm going to start with this manager. And then the other ones I'm going to get other managers on and the other ones I have. Um, but it, it long-term wise, if I can find a good one who can make my life easier, 
I will be more than happy to pay 10%, assuming our interests are aligned. Like, you know, I, I follow yeah. the things you mentioned. So another thing with property management, actually, now that you opened up the can of worms, this is something that I've realized is like, people think that like, and I, I don't have a property manager act. I just literally talked to one today. We're going to move forward on, but I've heard this. People think that just because you hire a property manager means you're passive, right? Which is total bullshit because when the property manager is going to, you know, make some sort of substantial repair, they're either going to notify you or they're going to bill you, right? So, so you're not like totally out of the weeds. You're, the thing I like about the property manager in theory is that there's a layer of protect. There's like a sandwich, like there's two pieces of bread and you're the, you're the, the top piece of the bread, the property manager in the middle. So you're not like emotionally getting like roped in like, oh, the toilet's broken. You're like automatically pissed because they just told you you're pissed. But if like the property manager calls you like the next business to, hey, toilet backed up, you know, we got a new one in there. It was 200 bucks. Like it's, it's a little more logical. You can be a little bit more just high level because when you get a, a tenant that bothers you and every time you, they call you, you want to throw your phone off the George Washington they could even call you telling you they bought you a lottery ticket. You don't want to answer the phone because they're, you, you're conditioned to like get pissed off when they call you. So 100%. it seems to add up. Is that, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, it's not going to make it passive, but it'll make it a little bit. Listen, I, I self-manage my own properties and I know there are tenants that annoy me for sure. You have to learn how to do that. I understand from your perspective, because it was, if, if 90% of your stress in anything in life is coming from one place that you can eliminate for a relatively, Small amount of money, you should do it, whatever it is. Yeah. Like, I don't stress about it anymore. Um, there, I had tenants that gave me stress, but I understand completely what you're doing. Oh, I'm uh, but but um, for me, it's not it's not that bad, right? I have a tenant who I just remembered is dri driving me bananas about something that I can't figure out. Um, but you, uh, yeah, if you can eliminate it for a relatively small, a relatively small amount of money that's not going to kill the deal and kill, kill, kill you financially, then of course you should do it. It's a some, listen, I know people that self-manage who are terrible, right? They're just horrible, right? I know guys that oh, on one end just go and fix everything and spend way too much money and, and screw up their cash flow. And I know guys who never do anything and piss off the tenants. There's a happy medium in between where things that need to get done are getting done and things that are not needed don't get done. But yeah. uh, but if you're if you're and your stuff's in different places also, so yeah, yeah I it's not it's it's not central. They're they're all over the place. Yeah. Yes, I understand. Yeah, interesting. How often do you get a call from a tenant? Or text? Every two weeks, maybe. And is it something, do you respond right away or do you tell them that unless unless it's something urgent? I usually respond. respond right away, but it doesn't mean I'm actually going to, you know, deal with it right away. Sometimes it's something that really could wait. I get, you know, I get text sometimes over the weekends or late at night and I'm like, I, it's nothing I can do until tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. It's, 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 it's a, it's a balancing act. And I, it's, it's something that you gotta, you know, as you're listening to the show and you want to, buy rentals, you gotta, you gotta know what to expect, especially if you're going to do it in the state, because you gotta, you gotta know the laws. You gotta know how property managers work and you gotta know this good cause eviction thing could be reality coming up soon. So uh, the more you can stay on top of it, the better. So I appreciate everyone listening today and then hopefully they got some entertainment and some, some information and uh, we will see everybody on the next episode. Thanks for joining us, Michael. Thank you.